Welcome to At The Source. The date is 23rd of March, 2020. This is the second episode in my coronavirus and food special series. Every few days, I'm chatting with people from in and around the food and drink industry to discuss how this virus has affected what they do, what they eat and everything in between in the hope that we can all learn a little something along the way. As of 9am this morning, 6,650 people were confirmed positive for the virus in the UK. And as of 1pm today, 335 patients had, who had been tested positive for the virus have died. Globally, the death toll has passed 16,000, with confirmed cases of over 370,000. On that rather sombre note, I'm going to introduce the three guests that I have with me today two from the UK and one in Australia. We have Maurizio, an Italian food blogger living in Sydney, Australia. Hi, Maurizio. Hi, Alex. Hi. Hi, guys. 6 a.m. in the morning for you. <laughs> yes, it is, but it's fine. Very I early. love morning. Very early. <laughs> uh, we have Charlie, who's a blogger and freelance social media manager for small food businesses in Bristol. Hello, everybody. Hello. And we have Dina, who is a British Bangladeshi cookbook author and food writer in London. Hi, Alex. Hi, guys. Welcome, everyone. Right. So let's start by each telling each other a little bit about how it is where you are. Um, let's start with you, Maurizio. So you're in Australia and obviously uh, Australia is a little bit behind the UK at the moment with the virus at around 1700 cases. Um, has much happened there yet? Do you think the government are taking it seriously? Are people kind of aware of what's coming? Um, certainly in Australia, no, they're not taking it that seriously uh, compared to what's happening in Europe and especially in um, in Italy. We saw actually on, on Sunday that people were uh, celebrating a wedding. Uh, so there, were, uh, there was a congregation of people, I would say maybe 100, 200 people uh, partying, um, which uh, makes me think that people are not really taking seriously this um, uh, social distancing. However, um, the government uh, has uh, uh, taken some steps already, uh, starting from yesterday. So pubs are closed, gyms are closed, cinemas are closed, and uh, a lot of companies, all the companies effectively that uh, can allow people to work from home, have already put this measure in place. That's really impressive that it's, you know, Australia's had seven deaths at the moment, which is obviously a lot less than we've had in the UK. But it seems like the government are probably moving a little bit faster by the sounds of it. The government is definitely moving faster, uh, but the people are uh, still uh, downplaying this, which is scary, right? I mean, in Bondi mm. Beach, which is one of the most popular beaches in uh, in Sydney, um, there, there were hundreds of people on Sunday, and that led uh, the government to take uh, uh, more serious steps starting from Monday morning. Obviously, you yourself are Italian and you have family in Italy, so I assume that things, well, I know that things in Italy are the exact opposite. So I wondered if you could tell us a little bit of what it's like right now for your family. Um, in Italy, the situation is obviously much worse, much worse than Australia. And, and by looking at the numbers, much worse than any other place in the world currently. Uh, now, I'm a bit uh, lucky because uh, I am originally from the south of Italy, where uh, things uh, uh, seem to be a bit more under control compared to the north. 
because the vast majority of the cases and the deaths in Italy are happening in the north, um, mm. like the Lombardy area, Milan, Bergamo, that area. Um, in mm -hmm. the south, we haven't been hit uh, too hard by this so far. However, one important note to make is that the healthcare system in the north is uh, uh, vastly better than the healthcare system in the south. So we really don't want to have uh, um, uh, an influx of cases in the south because otherwise our hospitals will not cope and they will explode much faster than uh, what happened in the, um, in the north. Well, fingers crossed the government have done everything that they can to try and, and stop that happening. Um, Dina, I wanted to ask you the same question. So um, you're in London, um, but you have family in Bangladesh. So what what's the situation there? I don't actually know. I don't know too much, but the funny thing is I spoke to, uh, I've got some family there, but mostly kind of distant family. And so it's affected my parents more than me probably because they remember kind of, you know, aunts and cousins that they've seen that mm. I have met. So um, sadly we heard of someone passing away um, a couple of days ago on my mum's side. Um, but majority of the families that are there, they're in the rural areas, um, an area called Sillet, which is where my family originated from. And I don't think it's quite reached there yet. Um, in the cities, like in Dhaka, the capital, um, from a friend in Kolkata, India, who travelled to Dhaka quite a bit, I spoke to him a couple of days ago, and he said that um, even though the government are kind of advising to kind of, um, you know, maintain kind of social distancing, that kind of thing, self-isolation, nobody's really doing it. It wasn't taken seriously. Um, people were wearing masks. That was quite common to see the masks, but they were kind of, you know, going about basically socialising uh, same as normal. So it seems like it's kind of um, visually you might see a lot of people going around with masks, but still the crowds haven't really slowed down. Um, the crowds haven't dispersed. Exactly. They haven't dissipated and it's still the same as normal. So um, I haven't been to English in over 20 years, so I don't really know. I was planning going <laughs> this year, which is you know quite sad that I wouldn't mm. have to do that at the moment. But um, on the whole, I think it's quite worrying speaking to my friend who says similarly in India and Bangladesh, you know, like, bordering um it's just um it, it's there's a lot of talk but people aren't really taking it seriously as they should yeah i think that's um it's a th common theme isn't it i mm. mean even here in this country um i mean over the weekend apparently western supermare beach was was full yeah. as if it was a bank holiday because the spring you know, springs arrived and yeah. the sun's out so um, there are still people who aren't necessarily taking it seriously, but how is it in London for you? Are you are you holed up in your house? Um, I am actually. Um, the last, I think I went out, I mean, probably five, six days ago just to kind of do a bit of shopping and pick up some sourdough starter, which, to be honest, um, <laughs> baking bread right now, although it's comforting. When I went and picked up my starter, I was just like, oh, my God, it's just such a first world problem. Um, people <laughs> kind of are complaining about kind of food but then I thought okay I didn't really I was sad it was very emotional moments because I went to visit a friend you know who um Katie Quinn who's um, a food writer and um, YouTuber as well and she gave me some starter and we couldn't hug so we did like elbow bumps and mm. you know it was all kind of a little bit surreal I have to say um things were much quieter on the tube I didn't notice it was just very bizarre to see people everyone just seemed very kind of on alert which is natural I mean I felt more paranoid and worried um you know just having kind of 
people sit away from, you know, just coughing. And I think that's just mm-hmm. people's paranoia and kind of anxiety is quite high at the moment. So I did feel quite anxious and um, uh, went to a couple of shops and it was, it was kind of really sad. I thought, you know, I'd never thought that, you know, having grown up in England and being in London, which is always busy and you kind of take things for granted and you go to the supermarket and literally everything, all the basics are kind of um, sold out, shelves are empty. And it was kind of like being in the twilight zone. So I think it has, you know, it's been up and down, trying to keep busy, but um, yeah, it's just, you know, sometimes I think you wake up in the morning and suddenly you realise, you know, you don't have the option to go out. I'm at my parents' house, so, you know, which was nice at the time. I thought, oh my God, I'm moving back to my parents, but now I'm quite grateful because they're with me. And <laughs> it's a house opposed to a, in a room in a you know, house share and they have a garden. So trying to appreciate the small things and keep your kind of morale up, I think that, um, and my dad, you know, both my parents are quite, you know, at risk. My dad's got, you know, uh, COPD, uh, lung disease. So we're quite worried about him and keeping him safe. And so um, last week he was a little bit unwell, but luckily, you know, fingers crossed it's passed and it's not, you know, coronavirus. Yeah. Oh, well, I'm glad to hear he's on the mend. Um, Charlie, still there? I am. Hello. <laughs> How has it been for you? Oh. <laughs> it's uh, honestly, last week was hell on earth, if I can say that. Um, so I sort of went from six clients and three potential just about to sign the contract clients to basically nothing. Um, obviously, I am very, very lucky that I have a full-time job and I can sit at home and pay my bills. Um, you know, so last week it was just blind panic from everybody. Mm-hmm. And then my phone number was being given to other people. And I so had people that I'd never spoken to before phoning me in blind panic. What do I do? How do I get my message out? How do I do this? How do I do that? And it was, it was heartbreaking. It was absolutely awful. It was, yeah, just fighting fires, trying to give advice, not knowing much more than anybody else. Um, mm-hmm. And watching people's livelihoods just crumble really um i've got a couple of clients still sort of limping along offering delivery and takeaway but i would much rather they stopped to be honest it's funny actually that you would mention that because when we recorded the podcast on friday night we were talking about all of the restaurants around us whether we're in bristol or in other cities around the uk that are turning their business model into takeaway but also collection and how great that was and how we could support the independents by popping out and collecting some food from them or having takeaway but in fact since that time there has now become criticism around that and a lot of people are saying to these businesses you must close your doors so it's interesting that you say that charlie it's um i mean mostly it's what they do what they're doing is that they are doing everything that they can to make it as safe as possible but people to quote men in black people are stupid um they You know, you give them time slots, you give them instructions and they still congregate en masse. So it's so what I mean, I I love that the restaurants are getting tenacious and they're they're doing the best that they can. And they're trying to scrape together enough just to keep, you know, the the rent paid. But people are just not using these services correctly. And if people can't behave and it's just it's just it's got to go because it's not. And I think a lot of the the businesses have stopped because they've looked and seen how people are reacting to it and thinking, "I, I can't be responsible for this. And actually, my next question was, and I'll open this for all three of you um, with you, Charlie, first. So 
I was going to say, what do you think is the right thing to do? But I think you've answered that. Closed. You think that the restaurant it, should close. It's got to be closed. I think the, the government... It, they're, they're slow. They're very slow at doing stuff. I think they're just they're chasing their tails. But I think there's going to be something is going to get put in place eventually. I think watching something that you've put your I mean, we we all of us know what it's like to try and build a food and drink business from scratch. It is the you know, margins are razor thin. It's you know it's backbreaking. It's 18, 20 hours a day, you know, making no profit. And to see that all go up in flames has got to be so traumatic. But right now, I think close, the government will sort something out eventually and you're just gonna have to sit tight. Maurizio, what do you think about that? I think uh, that uh, whatever we can close, we should close. So I don't see restaurants or pubs as uh, essential services, personally, that would be my opinion. So my recommendation would be uh, to keep them closed. I see this um, as a huge opportunity, basically, for people to actually start cooking at home. Um, you go to the shop, you go to the supermarket as few times as possible. You buy some ingredients and then you cook at home. You know, I I do actually agree with the guys, and I think you know we should close. I mean, it's, it's it is really heartbreaking because um, being you know I'm I'm a food writer, so I don't have a, a restaurant business, but I've seen so many friends literally every morning I've woken up and seen kind of notices for closure, that kind of thing, from friends you know who put a lot of time and energy, you know, and work into setting up their businesses and the restaurants, you know, their food and drinks businesses. And, you know, it's, I think it's, it's the safest thing to do. And the friends who are actually working and continue to work for a bit, you know, until they could um, open, they did say they were, you know, there were no customers for ages. or they were kind of just, you know, just paying out um, for rents and stuff like that and just worried about how they were going to be supported by the government because obviously it's not enforced. So, you know, um, it's kind of, you know, I, I think the government hasn't been kind of as clear as they could have been basically. And it's just um, put people in a lot of extra um, anxiety, people who do run restaurants, etc. And so, I mean, the safest thing would be to kind of close and, um you know, you can't really do much apart from hopefully hoping that people, they will get the support that they need and hopefully, mm. fingers crossed, they will reopen once things do improve. That's the bit, isn't it, that's quite worrying is that a lot of these places are closing, but it's whether or not they are going to manage to reopen later on down the line. Exactly. Yeah. In Australia, the government has put some um, money aside for small businesses and restaurants. They will be able to use some of this money. Of course, it's an extremely tough decision to to close restaurants. But I think uh, for a couple of weeks, maybe two, three, four weeks, uh, it's a, it's an effort that we should try and make. I've said it quite a few times, especially this week, that you know, for for everybody that is now shutting, we are not. I would um, I would guess we're probably not going to see at least fifty percent of them opening back up, and it's it's absolutely heartbreaking. But as much as their livelihoods are in the balance or ruined, there's people's lives. It sounds corny, but it's, you know, it's, it's, it's keep your restaurant shut. And that's potentially a hundred people that don't contract a virus. And that's potentially 10 people that don't die. Really well said. It's just horrifying, but it's, you're exactly right. Um, I shared something on Twitter yesterday about, you know, people 
in abusive relationships who are stuck in, you know, self-isolating, stuck at home and that kind of stuff. Oh and, my goodness. and I think yeah. it's just, um, you know, I've been reading a couple of those and it's just, it, that would be just horrific, you know, children, anybody mm. basically in a, in a not very nice situation. Um, and I think it's, I think one of the things that's keeping me going and I just, you know, remind kind of even friends or somebody who's panicking like sometimes a certain member of family will be not that I'm saying I'm like all strong but I'm the eldest of five so I'm kind of used to kind of just try and keep everything together as much as I can but sometimes you know this is out of all of our hands and it's it's awful but just remember mm-hmm. that you know we are in a better position than you know somebody else and just to kind of remember like be grateful about the things we do have right now and I think that maybe in some ways helps to kind of not feel as anxious not feel as sad and down because other people can't escape, you know, these naturally yeah. horrific situations anyway. Yeah. Oh, yeah, of course. There's just so many angles that you don't think of. You know, exactly. like it's it is, it's it's a horrible situation, but we are we are lucky, you know. Yeah, absolutely. You know, just the things are so much worse, you know, people in the streets, all sorts of things that mm-hmm. sometimes people kind of, you know, often take turn a blind eye to but then when things like this happen you kind of realize how awful it could be you know much worse than this yeah absolutely right let's try and move on to something a little bit cheerier um so with three great cooks and recipe creators on the podcast with me tonight i thought it would be a really good time to talk about how we can help people who are cooking more at home so um do any of you have a simple store cupboard recipe that you can share or maybe if not a recipe off the top of your head advice on what might be best to stock up on or what keeps the longest fight alex um there's um you know i, I live you know in a south asian household and they're kind of notorious for kind of having a kind of little mini stockpile so enough to feed family regularly so there's always like a month in advance shopping done so which I didn't used to do when I used to live on my own so you know things staples like rice um lentils um tinned chickpeas um you know spices I mean spices you can make kind of anything with if you have staples I think you know rice and lentils in particular you know from you know my point of view in the South Asian household you can make you know kind of a stir-fried rice you can make you know um pilar rice, vegetable biryanis, you know, which are very simple, so you don't even need, you know, meat and stuff. Um, you know, dals, obviously, you can d- cook dals so many different ways, you know, soupy, add, add a stew, add vegetables in, things like that. Um, and uh, I think, you know, it's, it's nutritious as well as really simple and easy to cook. So um, there's always, um, we call it kitchery, which, um, you know, um, might also be known as kitchery generally, or um, like kedgeri, kind of, I guess, you know, family, um, which of a stew of lentils and rice um, and you just kind of temper it with a bit of onions and ghee at the end and it's really simple with a bit of turmeric and ginger so you've got all the kind of good things in there you know um, and it's very anti-inflammatory um, and a little goes a long way so it's kind of like porridge you make you add it to kind of little cups of rice and lentils and it kind of grows so you have like end up with a whole pot of um, kitchery which you can enjoy you know any time of day really and really good for you. So I, I think, you know, um, it's just trying to kind of be inventive and just use what you have because pretty much most things you can kind of change into something else. And don't I think people, um, sometimes people go into cooking thinking, oh, my God, I don't have exact ingredients for exact recipes. Um, so it's about just trying to be a bit more kind of relaxed and just kind of have the basic core staples and just kind of, you know, add what you have in your pantry. And, and not covers. being afraid to experiment, I guess, is the key point. Yeah, exactly. Absolutely. Who's next? 
So the good thing about this uh, lockdown is probably the fact uh, that um, I'm cooking more and more every day <laughs> for me and for my family. I mean, I have a two and a half year old daughter and she she loves to eat. She loves food. She loves pasta. Um, I mean, she wakes up in the morning and the first thing she asks for is pasta. <laughs> we are at, at that level. So um, it's obviously I do have uh, a lot of pasta that I stocked up on. Lots of tomato sauce. That's what we have. And then I know that I bought a lot of cheese, which I have in the fridge, and bacon or pancetta. I should Ooh. call it. No, it's not exactly bacon. And then I I buy vegetables uh, probably a couple of times uh, during the week because I don't like to have vegetables um, for too long in the fridge. I was going to ask how easy it is for people to make pasta. So here in the UK, one of the things that people have been stockpiling and emptying the supermarkets of is is pasta. And I think maybe, you know, there are people here listening who might have bags of flour in the cupboard, might have some eggs. How easy is it for them to actually just have a basher making their own pasta? I think people in the UK should not be so adventurous and should stick to basics. I lived in the Ooh. UK. Let me give a bit of background. I lived in the UK for many years, about 10 years, in fact, uh, in, uh, in London. So I do understand uh, where the local cuisine is. And uh, I recommend uh, that uh, you guys just buy dry pasta from the shop, you know, in Waitrose. I remember there used to be a lot of international foods there. So I'm sure you can find some high quality pasta. And then and what if you, it's all gone? Uh, yes. What can people eat instead? <laughs> is, is it really all gone? Uh, is, yeah. Is that oh, the yeah. situation? I right? couldn't find anything for a week. We managed to buy like some dried pasta from our local Italian. They were just they were always giving it away. So they gave us a load of it for a fiver. So we're plowing our way through that. So it's not who, wait, it's who Charlie, you know. get yourself on uh, get yourself on the Italian food boss. <laughs> oh, YouTube. I am. It's written down. Do not worry. <laughs> so toilet roll pasta, um, tinned stuff, and what else has been being Bis- shopped? Biscuits. Flour. Biscuits. <laughs> oh yeah, bread flour. Painkillers. Everyone's making sourdough. They've gone insane. I, know. <laughs> I just started last week. Like, I know. <laughs> you picked the wrong week to start sourdough. I know. I've been meaning to for ages. And suddenly I picked the wrong week. And suddenly, oh my God, where do I get all this stuff? Where do I find baking stuff? Uh, Banneton, all sorts of things, you know? Do you know what? Um, I'm so yeah. I'm so jammy that I know a baker that works just up the road and he's ordered oh me God. a 25 kilo bag of flour just for me. Yeah, it's just it's not what you know, it's who you know at the moment. It's all black market flour and black pasta. Market, exactly. Um painkill yeah, painkillers are gone. Yeah. <laughs> It's funny you should say that because I actually was saying to Dave this morning, I wondered if we'd end up with a black market, <laughs> you know, people bartering, I don't know, um, two eggs for a bottle of hand sanitizer or something. <laughs> but yeah, Maurizio, in answer to your question, uh, yes, the shelves are bare 
here at the moment. Yeah, that's um, that's not good news. I mean, here people are buying toilet paper. Mm-hmm. I still don't understand why. Um, but um, you can still find, I mean, it's, it's a bit harder to find shelves fully stocked, but um, you can still find uh, stuff in the supermarket. So if you can't find anything and you just have flour, then just make a pizza. Pizza is very easy to make. I actually cooked it last night for my kid. And uh, if you have pizza, if you have tomato sauce or simply tomatoes, you can still make a focaccia um, and and um, and eat very well. What do people need? So they can you tell us what the core ingredients are for that pizza dough? Uh, sure. So I do not have a recipe on my channel for this there you go that's your that's your next youtube video (laughs) so to make a a focaccia let's say which is a bit easier to make in the normal house oven you just need 600 grams of flour ideally you mix a strong flour like a manitoba flour one of these and a normal flour and then you put 360 380 grams depends how much hydration you want of water then uh, 90 grams of oil, and then just uh, a spoon of salt and a spoon of sugar to um, help the the raising of the dough. And uh, that's pretty much your dough. You let it raise for about uh, two, three hours. Uh, Of course, then you have to add the yeast, which I forgot to mention. You have to make it raise for about uh, two to three hours. And then you have to manipulate it a bit, not too hard, because um, this is a focaccia, right? It's not a pizza, so it's going to be quite doughy, quite soft. You spread it on the pan, then you let it rest again for another hour, and then you simply add the topping on top, um, and then you cook it for 25, 30 minutes at 190 degrees. And then the last couple of minutes, you just add the mozzarella. Because if you add the mozzarella from the start, then you're going to eat a burnt mozzarella, which is typically not what you want. I've got visions of people all over the UK scrambling to the back of their cupboards to find those little dried yeast packets, <laughs> just in the uh, in the hope that they've got a couple left in there that are going to work. And then as time goes on, maybe um, sadly, the, the mozzarella gets replaced with the nubbin of hard, dry cheddar that is has been sat in the back of the fridge, I think. Uh, that's a fantastic cheddar. But it still sounds as though it's relatively easy to for people to do that, especially if they've got a bit more time at home. Yeah, it is quite easy. It is quite easy and it doesn't really take a lot of time in terms of your active time. Of course, it takes a bit of time to uh, raise it. To raise the dough, it takes a few hours. If you're listening, people, get out there and make some pizzas. <laughs> oh, can I, sorry, can I just um, butt in there, Alex? I was going to say... Um, I've had such a hard time trying to find flour. I don't know if you guys have had the same problem in the UK, including specialist flours like spelt and things like that, which I was really surprised at, you know, some of the mm. supermarkets and online. And, you know, I love baking and flour, you can do pretty much anything with, you know, either Bangladeshi recipes or just general kind of all kinds of recipes. And like Maritza was saying, you know, pizza. And I've literally got one bag of flour left and kind of guarding it with my life. Ooh. And I'm like, oh my God, you know, 
and everything sold out. So it's causing me real anxiety. I know it just sounds really sad, but I always have flour because I always kind of bake cakes and, and pastries and things. And, um, and mm-hmm. now kind of, I've got my sourdough starter, but which is eating up all my flour. So I'm like, oh my God, <laughs> just what am I going to do? It will give you, um, you know, feed it now and then it will feed you in return. Absolutely. So that's an advantage. <laughs> It's um, you were saying earlier, it's kind of first world problems, but we also have just had to start. We just moved house last week and we've had to restart yeah. our sourdough. So I'm kind of keep like lifting the cloth every few hours, having yeah. a look if it's come to life yet. Um, but no, not yet. But it's it's going it to do. come. I think the thing that's quite nice with sourdough as well, while we're talking about it, is that obviously you can use it for more than just loaves of bread. You can make pancakes and um, pizza. Donuts. That would be good. You have to remember as well, it's really hard to kill sourdough starter. Like nine times out of ten, it will come back. It just needs a bit of love and understanding, just like the rest of us. You've just got to be kind. (laughs) Oh, yeah, if you killed it, then you... (laughs) You'd be put on a list, Alex. (laughs) I do think it's one of the things that is quite nice that's coming out of this really awful time is the fact that people do seem to want to learn to cook. I've seen so much stuff on over on my social media channels for my blog, but also for the podcast where people are saying, you know, I'm going to have a bash at making this and people have started writing meal plans for the first time. It feels as though out of this awful time, especially with the industry kind of closing down and potentially losing jobs, at least there is some good in that people might want to learn to cook and start cooking again it's a nice silver lining isn't it like it's uh, that people keep bashing on about like the blitz and wartime effort and a stiff upper lip and it's all bollocks excuse the language but people have got time at home they've got a freezer full of stuff that they've bought and not thought about and it's nice i mean they will people seem to be getting together and doing stuff hopefully getting together virtually (laughs) virtually i mean i had a, a virtual tea break with uh a couple of friends today we all had a cup of tea and I had a slice of banana cake and we caught up and it was just nice to see somebody else's face so it's um I think people are coming together nicely at the moment mostly <laughs> yeah and I agree with that Charlie actually I mean I think people are I mean I've been on the phone more recently than normal because normally you message or you see each other and you have friends and whoever you know but I think now I think a lot of my friends, you know, we've kind of made kind of, you know, time where we sit down, like you say, you know, you have a cup of tea, tea break, you know, you have a phone call and chat or FaceTime or whatever. I say, speaking as a millennial, I don't like to see my face on anything and actually sitting <laughs> <laughs> doing a video call, like at work at my oh, normal God. job, I would never do a video call ever. So I don't want to see the client seeing my face. But yeah, it's just, it's been nice. It has been nice. I mean, I'm just, the phone ringing has been, I think I'm going to have to get over the phone ringing now after last week, but choosing to spend quality time with friends that, you know, as much as I love the pub, isn't in the pub. Mm-hmm. It's quite nice. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, God, yeah. I miss the pub. God, <laughs> I miss the pub. But it's, it is, I, I'm just, I'm sort of thinking about how much healthier I'm going to come out the other side as well. I'm going to be eating, mm-hmm. I'm not going to be eating out as much. I'm not going to be drinking as much, you know. I'm, not, I'm snacking constantly. I am snacking. <laughs> I'm going to come out the other side of this. <laughs> I'm going to be, a, I'm literally going to be double the size when I emerge from my front door. Oh, Dave, Dave ate a whole packet of custard creams today. I swear, Dave. Oh my God. I'm so jealous. I couldn't get any custard creams. 
stocked yeah. up on custard cream. So one thing, again, actually, whilst we're on this subject is the whole panic buying thing. Um, again, Maurizio, we're a little bit of ahead of you on this. And perhaps this is um, kind of a warning of what's to come is that a lot of people have been panic buying and clearing out. And my my mum had, had a scrap with a couple in Waitrose the other day because they uh, there were eight loaves of bread left and this couple put all eight in their trolley. Oh, my God. And oh. my mum, being my mum, followed them, <laughs> followed them to the <laughs> checkout um, and challenged them on it. And, good. And they, no, good, yeah. they still bought all eight. So, you know, um, social distancing, I would have thrown my shoe at them. Like, it's just so mean. That's very mean. But I think the fact is, is, you know, Charlie, you hinted at it earlier that it's almost like um, this is bringing out two type two sides. You've got the people that are pulling together in this Mm. community spirit and are supporting each other. And then you've got the people who are just fighting for their own survival I, I guess I mean it sort of comes back to what you were so you've asked you know what's it like where you are at the moment and it's I mean I'm, I am incredibly online I am always online if I'm not online somebody phoned the police because there's probably something happened and to see the we, I, from one hand I've got people on Twitter especially coming together sharing what they've got checking in on you know there's a woman in Yorkshire whose relative or neighbour in London is old and can't get to the shops and she said can someone help me get her some shopping and people are pitching in and then the other thing is you know people threatening other people outside of Tesco's because they want to be let in an NHS hour and it's it's just like people are just they've, they've lost their minds a little bit and I can completely understand why but I'm not quite sure what we do to to curb that really and so it's, it's people the people that need it the most are the people that are suffering with with all this mass hysteria in the shops I mean it's sort of we're talking about what my suggestion would be uh, for people sort of stuck at home. And my big thing is batch cooking, but I'm, you know, it's it's all very well saying to people, right, you know, know, batch cook, do a big lasagna, chop it up into portions, pop it in the freezer. If you're not getting beef mince and tin tomatoes and pasta because it's all gone, you are a bit stuck. So yeah, it's difficult. In Australia, all the big supermarkets, they have started to put limits on how many things, people can buy. So now you can only buy one uh, toilet paper roll or one, not, not roll, one toilet pack. I want to know if it's being enforced though. That's my question. Wow. Yeah. Because they have those limits here um, or certainly in the big supermarkets in Sainsbury's and Tesco's where I haven't been in to see, but it, I wonder how, you know, if, if you're, um, a lady working or, or a man working on the checkout and someone comes with 10 tins of tomatoes and you say, well, actually, sorry, sir, the limit's two. How far are you going to push that? A girl I know on Twitter, her next door neighbour works in Asda and she challenged somebody. Um, someone tried to buy four beef briskets and they were told they could only have three. So he picked up the beef brisket and threw it at her. So I don't think challenging people is safe at the moment they need to have somebody in i don't know army police that sounds so extreme but we are at that point it sounds so extreme but it's you need someone of authority to say to people sorry sir you can't have that sorry sir you can't have that and they can be marched out because it's people are just keep saying it losing their minds (laughs) yeah Mm. i agree Mm. with charlie there i think you know 
people aren't kind of people are being extremely selfish. I mean, I went to the market last week, and um, it's um, you know just everyone's. I mean, before they had the rules, you know, uh, regulation where people could get only two or three items of certain things, um, and people are just taking everything. It is kind of like supermarket sweep or something. It's very bizarre. Mm-hmm. And but I do, even though you know, I wouldn't have normally said this, but we're in times where people are kind of going without. People are kind of desperate and not able to get certain things. You know, um, you've all, all seen videos where people are kind of, you know, in tears because you know, especially NHS staff, you know, who can't get certain items um, when they go to the shops. So I think if having police or military or something would help people to kind of be, you know, share and just be mindful of what other people need as well. And I think, you know, I'm definitely for it. Absolutely. I mean, I wonder anyway, if supermarkets at some point soon will close and just be open for delivery because we've closed our colleges, we've closed our universities, we've closed our schools yeah. and our bars and our restaurants and our gyms. But you take a large Tesco store and there could easily be 100, 200 people in there at a time. And I don't understand how that is any different to having, um, granted, they're not shuffling kind of down the aisles, touching shoulder to shoulder, but they are easily getting within that that two meter distance. Yeah. Um, how is that any different to people being in a gym or a cinema? I, mm. I, I I almost feel like it needs to be all or nothing. And again, like Charlie said, maybe I'm, you know, whoa, it's getting a bit extreme here. But if we're going into lockdown, let's go into lockdown is is ultimately where I'm going with this, I think. True. No, I agree with that, Alex. Actually, that does, you know, make sense because, you know, you either completely kind of, I guess, you know, lockdown in in for certain things um, or you don't. And in these days, everyone's kind of, everything is available online as well. I know people probably lose jobs and things like that. And that's very sad. But, in you know, I guess considering safety and people's well-being, matter of life and death. So if that's what it takes, then we can, you know, we're lucky we're not, you know, living 30, 50 years ago. So we can actually do a lot of stuff online these days as well. Absolutely. I totally agree. And Maurizio, you said that the restaurants and bars have already closed in Australia. Was was it the government that, that forced that? Yes, uh, since yesterday. Pubs, uh, restaurants, gyms, cinemas, uh, they all be uh, forced to shut. Uh, but restaurants and cafes um, are currently restricted to take away uh, or do home delivery. Uh, my favorite pizzeria in Sydney they're offering what they call curb delivery, which means you can go with the car just next to the pizzeria and then they just come out and give you the pizza in the car. That's um, <laughs> I just can't help but feel that they are doing things better than our government has done here. They're acting earlier, that's for sure. They're acting earlier because they've seen what's happening uh, everywhere else in the world. You could argue that our government saw that too. <laughs> Well, we'd, we'd hate for anyone, you know, rich to lose out, wouldn't we? Britain. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. It does yeah. seem it's all money motivated, as we all know, you know, a lot of it. Well, mm-hmm. exactly, exactly. It's like, the, the you know, the, if they just shut it down, then the insurance would have paid out and then there wouldn't be any of this. But we'd hate for, you know, all those rich insurance people to have to pay money out to the exactly. general public, to us plebs. Uh, so um, so is, the tube, is the tube in London still open? I've seen a picture of the tube the other day and it was packed. I 
don't um i don't know i think the trains are still running i'm not sure about the tube dina do you know about the tube um the tube um sorry i just assume you're in london as well um so the tube um is it is running um there's I think they've closed, um, when I saw last week, I think it was all few days ago, 44 stations or something. Um, and there's kind of limited service on certain, at certain stations and stops, but they're also talking about, um, kind of shutting down most, um, kind of train services during the week and just having them available on the weekend or for kind of core work, key workers, I guess. Um, but I'm not sure what's happened. I mean, I haven't, um, checked the last couple of days. So, um, there's definitely limitations on the tube service. Um, and um, I mean, when I was out the other day, I mean, not very many people were out and about, and that was kind of you know two o'clock in the afternoon, um, five six days ago. So um, I don't know about now, um, but I think certain areas um, where um, there are probably a lot of people, like on the news you've seen, um, but I don't think that's the case at all stations. Um, but depending on the area, I guess. Mm. I know a lot of the it feels like all of the buses are still running in Bristol um they're on we Saturday pop- service are they okay they are. we popped out um to hand the keys back to our flat because as I mentioned we just moved house and kind of threw the keys at our old landlady through the <laughs> through the fence but we passed what felt like loads of buses and there was not a single soul on any of them and I just felt for the drivers but also wondered why why they're still running them money because there's no one on them yeah, yeah again <laughs> to money. Yeah. I mean I think um, a lot of them are running because they need key workers still need to get to work um, you know, still people that work in, in the hospitals and the care homes, et cetera, and they, not everybody drives. Um, there's, every, there's, there's a need. And I, I, my flat looks right across Gloucester Road on in, in Bristol. Um, I can't open my curtains if I've just got out the shower because the double-decker looks <laughs> <laughs> straight into my window. But, you know, it's I have noticed less and less and less people on the buses. I mean, I suppose everybody's working from home anyway. Uh, well, everybody, but, you know. Um, but, you know, from what I have seen, it's been very, very sparse and people are sitting very far away from each other. Um, but you're right. You know, I mean, thank goodness we've switched to, you know, majority contactless, um, ticket buying on the buses, which was mm-hmm. you know way overdue, but at least the, the driver isn't handling money as much, if at all, I would hope at the moment. Mm-hmm. So and they've got that sort of protective plastic, um, I was going to say they're in they're in their little cocoon as well. So maybe one of the safer key workers out there. Maybe maybe they've actually got it right. Maybe I should quit this job and go work on the buses. I've always fancied being a bus driver. I really like driving big things. I like driving vans. I don't know. I think it's because I'm five foot two. I just feel powerful when I'm driving a big van. Anyway, um, that's a complete aside. Is there anything that any of you would specifically like to talk about that we've we've not talked about? It's not really a topic, but um, I started my YouTube channel this week. Hey. So, um, it's probably going to be all choppy all over the place. I thought, you know, wanted to start it for a while um, and, you know, it seems like the best time, even though it's that. Yeah. But I feel like, do you know, I think a week ago when I think, well, I personally felt it the most and, I woke up and I was just kind of in a daze, you know, like you have a nightmare and you wake up and think, okay, back to normal again. And actually felt like you were living in a nightmare. And, you know, I, I was just had a high anxiety for a good couple of days. And I thought, what can I do? And because I'm freelancing and I'm writing, you know, food writing, 
uh, a lot of my kind of events and things, sometimes I do kind of um, food tours or kind of um, classes and I was planning on some pop-ups, etc. And all of them got cancelled um, over spring, summer. So I was just kind of like, oh my God, what do I do now? Um, and even though, you know, it's not going to make me money, but I think it's a way for me to keep busy and be positive. Um, I focus on Bangladeshi recipes and, um, and Bangladeshi food. So I think that's a, a good way to kind of showcase that instead of writing. And also people can, you know, they're stuck at home and maybe they want inspiration, et cetera. Um, and it'll be nice for them to kind of cook along or see how I make certain things and, and hopefully try and incorporate um, as many kind of essentials or store covered essentials as possible. But it's just, um, and I think it's important to kind of, you know, for mental health and well-being just to kind of keep busy even though you know you have moments where everyone's I'm sure panicking and things feel overwhelming it's a small way I guess of just trying to be a little bit helpful and just kind of inspire people and just do something that I love doing without being like you know my work's all gone right now what do I do you know Dina where can people find your YouTube what where should they go online um, it's um I haven't I'm not uploading until probably Wednesday so probably won't come up in searches but um I'm on social media Twitter and Instagram Dina's food story uh, so it's um so if people go on my Instagram or Twitter, um, there's a link there and I've shared posts on subscribing. So you can subscribe if you follow the links on my social media, but it probably won't come up in the search yet until I upload something, which will be in a few days time. Brilliant. Well, I'll definitely be subscribing. Thank you, Alex. Um, Maurizio also has a YouTube channel and actually your risotto recipe you loaded up yesterday looks great. So um, Maurizio, where can people find you? Have you tried cooking it already, Alex? The risotto. No, <laughs> I've got no risotto rice left. <laughs> oh, that's a shame. Oh. Um, yes. If anyone sees any in a shop, let me know and I'll give it a bash. One pizza and risotto, everything now, all the Italian yeah. I actually had somebody from the UK uh, mentioning in a comment that uh, he couldn't find any uh, risotto rice in the UK as well. And uh, he, he can only find arborio rice, which, which still works. And uh, yeah, after uh, this conversation, it should be Carnaroli. Yeah, it should be Carnaroli. But after the yeah. conversation with you, I think, um, yeah, he's right. There is nothing best to be left <laughs> um, in mm. the shop. Mm. But uh, yeah, I am an um, uh, Italian food boss everywhere uh, on the internet YouTube channel, Instagram, Facebook, uh, Twitter. Uh, I mainly um, use the Instagram profile and um, uh, the YouTube channel. Uh, so you can certainly find me there for simple uh, Italian recipes, uh, which are very tasty now. Brilliant. So I invite, if you have time, as we all do now, to cook at home, maybe just have a look at the channel and subscribe if you can. And Charlie, last but never least. Oh, bless you. <laughs> Where um, can we find you? So uh, I am. So my blog, uh, which was mostly uh, restaurant reviews and recipes, now it's going to be heavy recipes, is bedsitbonvivant.com. Um, and you can find me on Instagram and Twitter at Charlie Vivant. Um, Sundays, I used to run a little fun hashtag called This Week I Ate, where I just put up pictures of where I've been that week. Um, we're now changing that. Well, we're adding to it. So as well as This Week I Ate, which will now be focused on takeaways for as long as that's happening um we're also doing this week i made so join nice. in with me with the hashtag um yeah and it's just like a nice way of people just sort of putting up uh what, what what they've made and also this week i've drunk 
Um, so there's lots of lovely independent uh, beer and spirit producers in, in Bristol, as well as, you know, the rest of the country. Um, and they're still delivering. So it just it's a nice way of just keeping these places kind of fresh in people's minds. Um, and I just wanted to sort of suggest, uh, which is what I've done yesterday. It's very boring. It's very sadmin, as people call it. But sadmin. Sadmin. Oh, wow. But go through your cupboards, go through your freezer, list everything that you've got, uh, which is going to A, hopefully alleviate the stress on the shops because you're not going in to buy your full set of, you know, half a dozen eggs because you've forgotten you've got eggs. Um, and from there, you can kind of break it down and say, do you have a, I'm, I'm going to, I posted up a few tips for batch cooking online today. Um, I'm going to try and add to it so it's a bit more helpful. It's a little bit, um, it's not a lot to it uh, apart from, you know, the obvious. So, um, but, you know, if you get stuff in that you can cook a large meal, batch and freeze it, um, and then you're not going to be panicking in two weeks because you haven't got tomatoes or peppers or rice because it's there. Um, Brilliant. And just try and be kind to yourselves as well, guys. We're all feeling our way through. Uh, so, you know, and it's all right if you just want to live on bread for the next week. Just so try true. and get some vitamin D and a vegetable. <laughs> <laughs> that's all perfect advice. And really, yeah, I haven't really got anything to add. So um, remember to wash your hands, everyone. Stay at home as much as you can. Um, and if you're feeling isolated, look on Facebook to find your local support group. They are popping up all over the country. Or you know what? I'm at Gingy Bites and at, at The Source on every area of the internet that you can think of. So drop me a DM and we'll have a natter. I think that's about it. Thanks, guys. Thank you, Alex. Thank you. Thank you. And Thank you, Alex. speak soon. Thank you.